What's up everyone, it's Jonathan. And 2022 is almost here. And if you're like me, you love to spend some time intentionally reflecting on the year and setting some goals or resolutions or habits or rhythms or a, a theme for your year. I've tried everything and ultimately I end up giving up on them or forgetting them altogether by the time March rolls around. But one thing that's been really helpful for me is to instead create a personal mission statement, one that is both audacious and achievable to help guide my actions, filter my decisions, my yeses and my noes, and to really catalyze me into becoming who I wanna be in the year to come. And so I'm gonna host a virtual workshop on January 7th that's gonna be designed for you to create a personal mission statement, one that can really capture the essence of your why that drives all the things that you do and you can use it for both work and life and leadership and relationships and spirituality all of it can be kind of filtered and guided by your personal mission statement so there's a link in my instagram bio i'll also drop a link in the show notes but i'd love for you to join me january 7th to craft your personal mission statement to guide your 2022When Jesus was about a month old, Mary and Joseph brought him to the temple in Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. For it was written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that was born shall be consecrated to the Lord, and the sacrifice of two turtle doves shall be offered. There was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout. The Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would see the Messiah before he died. He was in the temple when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus. Simeon took Jesus into his arms and blessed God, saying, Now, God, you may let your servant die in peace. My eyes have seen your Savior, a light for the Gentiles, and glory for your people Israel. Mary and Joseph were amazed at what Simeon said about Jesus. Then Simeon blessed Jesus' parents and said to Mary, This child is God's promised one. He will save God's people, Many will accept him, and others will not. There was also a prophetess, Anna. She was an 84-year-old widow. She never left the temple. She prayed and fasted day and night. When she saw Jesus, she gave thanks to God. Then she told everyone that the Messiah had come. Luke 2, 38. Hey, it's Jonathan, and welcome to Epiphany, an audio devotional for all of us on the way to wisdom. In his book, Improvisation, the Drama of Christian Ethics, Samuel Wells talks about the work of Christian ethics being akin to the art of improv. I've come to realize that having taken classes in improv and there's something so powerful about that mode of being it actually informs the way that I lead that I teach that I facilitate more than I ever imagined because in improv you have to be hyper focused to what's happening around you you have to be hyper present but also open-handed with where the moment is leading you And so with this analogy, Samuel Wells talks about improvisation 
as being a more helpful understanding of Christian ethics. In the past, Christian ethics has been described and defined as this rigid, boundary-focused approach to certain issues and where you fall and stand according to common positions and what that means for how you relate to other people and where they fall and stand on those same positions. But he calls the church to consider that if we were to take an improvisational approach, then there's only a couple rules to follow. The rules of improv are this. Stay true to the story and keep the story going. It's a faux pas in improv to say no, because that immediately shuts down the creative flow, shuts down the possibilities, opportunities, and it puts people in the position of having to defend their choice in the first place and automatically creates opposition that's different than the natural conflict that drives a story. It's an opposition to one another that sucks the energy out of the room and really limits our options of where the story can go. But when you can stay true to the story, pick up what somebody else has put down and then also take it forward. That's the work of improv. And so is the work of Christian ethics to be a community who picks up what we have received in terms of our story, be faithful and true to it, but then to keep it going into the particularities of our time and the issues that we face. And this is what we see in the Christmas story. Jesus enters in to a specific story. If you notice in these reflections on the scriptures, it's not just the story of the world and of the cosmos being redeemed and renewed and all creation. But like we've talked about before, the way that God chooses to go about this restoration movement is to enter into a specific time, in a specific place, in a specific body that all mix together with other hopes, fears, and expectations to create a specific story. We see in the incarnation and the celebration of Advent and Christmas that God's way about bringing all things to become new again Making everything right is in the details of specific stories. Stories like Simeon and Anna. In this brief scene that we see in Luke, Jesus represents to Simeon and Anna the fulfillment of their stories. At the end of their lives, having been faithful to the overall story of God, and waiting and longing and hoping to see some glimpse of how God would come through. They find it finally in looking upon this baby. And I love that in this passage, we also see the particularities of what it means for Jesus to be a part of the story of the Hebrew people. This was a ritual. This was a custom. And also a part of the story of his family. That God chooses to redeem the world by the particularities, the details, the mundane, the ritual, the special, the intergenerational, the cultural, and the familial stories. So what does that mean for us then to celebrate the coming of this King, the birth of our Savior, and follow Christ 
incarnational love back into our own stories. Because you no doubt belong to a story. Probably an array of stories. A whole Marvel level series and anthology of stories that have led you to where you are. There's the story of your family. The stories that carry both trauma and triumph, burden and opportunity, privilege and despair. What does it mean to follow Jesus back into that story? You have the story of your choices, your actions and your reactions to the happenings of your lives, some completely out of your control and some brought upon by your own agency. What does it mean to follow Jesus back into those stories, into your story? There's a story in this moment that Jesus is wanting you to follow him back into your moment, your story. What does it mean to live incarnationally, to live with the sense of Christmas, word becoming flesh, God with us-ness, right in your story, the story of your season, the story of today. Jesus represented a few things in this story. The stories that he chose to be a part of in the incarnation. For Anna and Simeon, it was both a resolution, the satisfying climactic scene at the end of a movie when the song starts to fade in and the camera pans out and it's the final victory or the final kiss or the laughing scene at the table. Jesus represented the final coming of the Messiah, prophesied and preached about, prayed over, longed for for centuries. But Jesus was not what they expected. And as Jesus continues his life and ministry all the way ultimately to the story of death, burial, and resurrection, never what it was expected. So for Jesus in his stories that he belongs, he represents both resolution and plot twist. And I wonder if you can't be the same thing. You represent the resolution, the fulfillment of the hopes and dreams and longings of your communities, your ancestors, your parents, the communities you want to serve ultimately with the choices that you've made, the sacrifices that you made. You represent resolution, but could you also represent plot twist, the unexpected shift in the narratives, the unexpected, surprising, somewhat jarring, somewhat troubling shift in the narrative. Jesus is both resolution and plot twist. And there's an invitation for you to be the same thing in your stories. So as we prepare to celebrate Christmas, may you find Jesus interrupting your story being your resolution and even your plot twist. May you find Jesus inviting you back into your stories as you are both resolution and plot twist to the stories you are part of, the intergenerational, the cultural, the familial, the stories of your traditions of faith. And may you also stick to the rules of improv Stay true to the story, 
the story of God's people, the stories of God moving throughout time and space and place and history. May you stay true to the story, but also may you keep the story going. May you keep it going into new details, new scenes and settings, new people, new characters, new plot twists, conflict points, and ultimately new resolutions of God with us, Christ with us, the dawning of a new day, this restoration movement when all will be made right, that the universe is made new and true and alive again in the particularities of your story. And may this story bring you all fulfillment of hope, joy, love, and peace. And may that fill you with wonder again of the story to which you belong. The story of the new day dawning. God with us. A king who's come. Everlasting Father. Mighty God. Prince of Peace. The one in whom all things will be made new and true and alive again. Even you. Amen. Thanks for listening. I'm Jonathan, and this has been Epiphany.